Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And I guess this is the official first episode with the co-host, because like last time it was kind of like I was interviewing her like a tra- traditional guest, but now she's like in this thing. So now like y'all can critique her and give her feedback if she's bringing the big money energy that we expect. Now nah, I'm just kidding. But uh, what's up, Jacqueline? How are you? Hey, George. I'm excited to be here. Hey, everybody. We're looking forward to a really exciting episode and I can't wait to get started. Absolutely. So how was your Christmas? It was good. It was good. It was very quiet. Um, you know, everybody is on high COVID alert and I am being a rebel and I haven't taken a test. So I'm just kind of hanging out at the house. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So um, before, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get into it, uh, I always kind of like to start with like housekeeping and just, you know, letting everybody know kind of where we're at and what's going on. So as you know, as I just mentioned, uh, we now have our official co-host for the show. So that means um, a, a slightly different structure, a different dynamic. So we're really excited about that. Um, as we go into 2021, we have a lot of exciting things in the store. So the podcast will kind of be home base for announcing those things. Um, I think on our actual, the next episode that we'll do together, we'll actually be unveiling some of the details of uh, pocket advisor, which some of you have probably seen via social media. So we're really excited about that. And other than that, we're just really grateful for all of the listeners across um, all the different countries. You know, it really means a lot. We hope that our reach expands and goes even further um, now that we have a, a different voice to the podcast. So just thank you guys for tuning and tapping in as always. All right. So um, before we get into it, I also want to read a review of the week. So this week, this review comes from miss edwards and she says hi i enjoyed the advice around setting up your exit plan and the fact that if you didn't have it before then you can do it or if you didn't do it before you can do it again these are great tidbits for my business thanks so much for all the gems well thank you miss edwards for the review we sincerely appreciate it all right so let's get into it so what are we what's on the docket for today like what are we talking about today Good question. So I think because we're kicking off a new year, it is a Friday. We are going to talk about how to jumpstart your finances for 2021. I think everybody needs a little bit of this energy to get things going. I know 2020 was one for the books, but 2021 is going to be even more notable. And we're praying that on every one of our listeners hoping that everyone can absorb this big money energy and take these tips and put them to good use. Speaking of which, big money energy. So what's our big money? And this is a new segment, new, I uh, guess you could say, uh, thing that we're doing on the podcast. So what is our big money energy of the week? And before we get into that, can you just briefly explain what is the purpose of the big money energy moment of the week? So our big money energy moment of the week, we just want to highlight 
things that have been going on in the world that are good for the culture, good for people. We want to let you guys know that there are exciting things going on in the world financially. There's plenty of opportunities for you. So we want to share what's going on currently and highlight those notable people. Absolutely. So we're actually working on a little, I should already had it done already, but a little soundbite uh, that we can play. So y'all will know every time the big money energy moment of the week is coming. But yeah, so that's what it's all about. Just giving that big money energy. And sometimes it might just be, you know, just something to motivate you, inspire you, just remind you who you are, remind you of your goals. But we're um, excited to add that to the podcast as well. And so can you share with us uh, what that moment is for this week, our first big money energy moment? Our big money energy moment of the week for January 1st is actually related to Beyonce. Beyonce has her own uh, foundation where she actually helps people, right? And this is called the Bay Good Impact Fund. So the Bay Good Impact Fund, some of you may have seen for Christmas, um, they have actually granted $5,000 to 100 recipients who are facing foreclosures or evictions due to job loss, illness, or other challenges. So this has been really amazing to watch her and her people go in and give people grants to keep them in their homes. They've also done uh, grants to 250 small businesses that were affected to COVID-19. So this is really amazing because as you guys know, there was legislation legislation in process where um, evictions were extended and nobody could be evicted until the end of last year. So with that expiring, people needed funds. And so this is a big money energy moment just to see her come in and to do so great for so many people. So we just wanna highlight her and thank her for everything that she's doing for the community. Absolutely. Shout out Bay, B, Bay, which I call her, Beyonce, uh, for all, all the things that she's doing for the community. I think I think our next uh, big money energy moment that we're going to do on, our, on another episode is actually related to her husband. So, like, of course, the power couple is continuing to make major moves. Um, so just very excited for what she's you know doing for the culture and all that good stuff. All right. So now we are going to get into our actual topic for the week. So, again, like Jacqueline mentioned, uh, we're starting out the year and personally i'm not you know super big on like new year's resolutions like i'm going into 2021 with my summer body you know saying shout out to my trainer you know, we lit but um but at the same token there's something um to be said about like just that restart right like that being able to just kind of start from the beginning clean slate especially after 2020 like i get it right so we want to kind of give you all a framework uh, that you can use um, to jumpstart your finances in 2021. So uh, the first thing I would say uh, that you should do is a financial audit, right? And so like a lot of times we don't know like where we are. It's like, we want to achieve these goals. We know we have an idea where we want to go, but we haven't really evaluated where we are. And that'll be the equivalent of like saying, I want to take a trip to Florida. And like, you're not really sure about exactly where you are to determine the length of that trip, right? So we want to really get a good picture. You want to get a really good picture of exactly where you are, right? And so what that would look like at a high level is just going in and looking at all your numbers, right? Going in and looking at how much cash you have on hand, going in and looking at your current investments, going in and looking at how much debt you have, going in and looking at like your, um, 
your, your like beneficiaries and, and important like estate planning and documents and all that stuff. Right. And just really looking at every component that is associated with your financial goals, your financial plan and seeing where you are. Right. Um, and not being intimidated by that, being empowered by have, now having that new level of clarity and just really getting that good pulse. Because if not, what will happen is you'll find yourself, you know, trying to set goals, but not really knowing what your baseline is, which means, you know, it might be harder for you to achieve your goals because it might be some blind spots that you have in your financial plan. Right. So that financial audit is designed to really give you that clarity um, to the extent of what's possible. Maybe we'll have some type of like PDF or attachment or something that maybe you can use uh, to guide yourself through that process. Um, if not, we will definitely have something like that plugged into Pocket Advisor um, here soon. Um, but yeah, guys, if nothing else, just pull out a pen and paper, right? And start logging into your online banking, logging into your credit card accounts, logging into anything where your money goes or is associated with and start to see where you are. So I believe that's the first thing you should do um, to make sure that you can jumpstart your finances in 2021. What do you think, Jacqueline? Would you agree with that? The financial audit is key because like you said, if you don't know where you are, how do you know how you're going to get to where you want to be? So right. doing financial audit is going to be really important. Even if you stay on top of your finances and you say, oh, I do a review, you know, every year I know where I'm, where I am. Well, you need to do one at year end, <laughs> you know, it's a new year. It's the end of a quarter, start of a new quarter. So it's important that you do that financial audit. Now, if you are looking for something, I think we can go ahead and add in the show notes a link to my website where I have a list of financial planning documents that would be needed should you hire yeah. an advisor. So that's a really easy tool to use to go down, check the boxes, and just take a look at all of the pieces that George was highlighting. Dope. Well, there you have it. Yes, that's the benefit of a co-host. Right? She already has a resource ready for us. Great. Um, all right. So what do you feel like is the kind of the next thing on the list that people can do to jumpstart their finances in 2021? Once you've done a financial audit and you know where you are, next thing is to figure out where it is that you want to go in 2021. And I know these things seem basic and they seem kind of rudimentary, but it's really important that you just understand where you are so that you can get to where you want to go. So when you're setting goals for 2021, I think you should figure out what makes the most sense for what you're trying to do. So if you are trying to save, you're trying to max out your 401k, right? So you're trying to put up $20,000 for the year. What's the easiest way for you to go about that? Are you a small business owner and it's easy for you to save quarterly? Do you need to set quarterly goals? Or are you paid every two weeks and it's easier for you to break it up into payments every two weeks? You know, what's the best way for you to pay yourself? So when it comes to goal setting, I like to work backwards. So if I'm setting a goal for 2021, I want to set a deadline. So, you know, if it's, a, if it's an annual goal, then my deadline would be the end of December. So by December 31st, I want to have $20,000 saved into my 401k. And then I work backwards to figure out how to get to that number. So if there's some point of an employer match, you know, we can deduct that from the 20,000. So let's say my employer gives me $3,000. Now I only need to save 17. So then I need to work backwards to figure out how that works with my cash flow to save that $17,000.
So that's kind of how I set goals. I like to reverse engineer them. Um, so George, how do you set goals for yourself? Yeah, um, I'd say on a mechanical level, it's fairly similar, right? It's like, I remember like I was, when I first started my e-commerce brand and I was like, what would it look like to make, you know, an extra six figures selling t-shirts, you know, or whatever. And so I'm like, oftentimes people look at the big number, like, oh, six figures, seven figures. But when you like break it down, you realize like how tangible it is, right? And so what I like to do, I guess you could say it's similar to reverse engineering, is just looking at this perceived goal that I want to hit and then break it down as finite as I can to, to remind myself of how attainable it is. Right. So like, I remember one morning, it was like one Saturday morning, I woke up and I was up early on Saturday for whatever, it was like five 30 or something. And by that point I had already made, it wasn't a lot, but I had made like three, 320 bucks or something like that. Um, from like midnight to 5 a.m., right? Just overnight, right? So now I was like, I'm just curious. Like if I divided that by like an eight-hour day or if like if I were to make the average of this for an eight-hour day, like what what would the salary be on this particular income, right? And then that's like an $88,000 a year uh, salary. I was like, wow. So you mean to tell me like you only have to make $320 a day for it to be the equivalent of an $88,000 salary? that was powerful for me because it's breaking down the bite size aspect of the goal because it makes it far less intimidating. So like when you see that $20,000 number that Jacqueline mentioned, it's like, how do I just like really break that down? Cause some people, they're different. Some people like the big number and it's like, okay, I know exactly how I'm gonna get there. But if for you, if it seems intimidating, how far can I break that down so that it seems so attainable? Like it's laughable, right? So I like to, I like to approach my goals that way. Um, the other thing I like to do they like to tie the goal to like something that's like meaningful, right? So like, I want to have a North star because I feel like if you don't have like a reason why you're doing it, then sometimes it's harder to accomplish. If it's like, oh, I'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do. I'm maxing out my 401k because I shouldn't max out my 401k, right? No, like why though? Like, are you trying to be financially independent by a certain age, right? Is there a certain like type of peace of mind or security that you're looking for with the money that you're saving? So I'll try to attach it to something that's more, I guess I could say qualitative because it's easy to do the quantitative piece, right? Very easy to do that. But how can I attach my goal to something qualitative? Because our generation is understanding that there's a difference between retirement and financial independence, right? So it's like, okay, if for me it's financial independence, then it's a little bit easier for me to wrap my head around like, okay, doing this gets me this much closer to financial independence. And then going a step further, in reminding myself why financial independence is important and what does it look like for me? Because if not, it's just another fancy term, right? Financial independence, sounds good. But what does it mean for you? So I really like to add that layer of qualitative um, uh, thought process because it makes it more tangible. Like on a, on a simple level, when we're about to get to emergency funds, <clears throat> excuse me, but like, you know, giving those accounts specific names, right? Like, Maybe for you, this is my FU money. Maybe this is the walk off my job money. Maybe this is the Dubai, you know, whatever it is. Like, like giving your goals a specific, very, very specific purpose. I found, excuse me, I found that that has been pretty helpful for me. Well, good. Thanks for sharing that with us, George. I think that's a good way to segue into our next point, which is ensuring that you have emergency savings that's adequate. So 
like you just said, it's important to give a title to the accounts that you have because that's going to make it more real for you. And so if we're talking about having cash on hand, are we talking about your emergency savings account? Are we talking about your, um, you know, this is our, our set aside fund for when things go wrong? You know, what is the title for that account that you are holding on to that keeps your cash on hand? Exactly. Exactly. And just and having a, a predefined category, right? So for me, I break it up into a few categories. So I have emergency fund, right? Like that's if I lose my primary income source, right? Like if the world is over and, and George can't make money, the, the 17 ways that I make money. <laughs> that's another story for me. The world would really have to be over. Um, but like there's emergency fund. Then there is like emergency reserves, right? And that's kind of like those expenses that we expect to happen, but they're not necessarily revolving bills, right? So like, I know I'm gonna have medical expenses throughout the year. I know that at some point I'm gonna have to pay vehicle taxes or some type of car maintenance or something could happen with my car, right? And also, I personally also use it as like a buffer account. So, you know, I like to be very specific with the amount of money that I have in my variable spending account, which is just my day-to-day money. Because if I have too much there, then I'm not going to really be have a close pulse on if I'm on track or if I'm just spending what's in my account, right? So I only put like a certain amount there, but if for whatever reason I need more, I have this buffer emergency reserves account, which keeps me more conscious because then it's like, oh man, like I, I put enough here. So if I keep find myself needing to dip over here, that means I'm probably, you know, the wheels are coming off a little bit. So it's like a nice little checks and balance system for me. Um, and then I have uh, my major expenses, right? So you know, I would consider travel, right? Of course, unless it's like a quick little trip, you know, up the road, I would consider travel a major expense, right? Like I'm planning for like a dope trip. So that's bigger than a shopping budget. So I would allocate that. Or I just recently bought a new computer. Now in this case, it came from the business account. So it's a little different, but like if I didn't have a, a business, you know, a, a, a $2,000 computer would arguably be a major expense, right? Um, which is just those different defined expenses that you can plan out and you can kind of map out and you know how much they're going to cost. And maybe they're bigger than your shopping budget. So those are kind of my three core categories. Um, now my investments, I treat that like a bill, right? So like my investments, whenever I define like how much I'm going to invest each month, like that's coming from my bill account because like I look at bills as like mandatory, right? And so for me, it's a psychological thing where that money's getting transferred out to my investment accounts uh, from my bill account. And so that's how I break mine up. I think I actually broke that down maybe four or five episodes ago, like on my, like the, the different savings objectives or whatever. But like, that's how I like to think about it. I like to give everything a very specific purpose. Um, so there's no ambiguity in, in what I'm saving for while I'm saving. I personally do my finances the same way. So I like to consider it like a flow through because that makes it a little bit easier for me. It makes it more digestible because then I know how my money works, right? So um, let's just say any money that I make business-wise comes into my personal checking account. And, okay, let me stretch that. Not any money that I make business-wise. Whatever gets paid to me from the business. (laughs) Whatever gets paid to me from the business comes into my personal checking account. And then from my personal checking account, the first place that it goes is to that emergency reserve fund for those kinds of things that you 
already spoke about if you know my tire goes out you know for some of those larger expenses that I know I'll need to pay like you know maybe I pay my car insurance semi-annually or annually so that money is sitting there so the first thing I do when that money in that checking account gets past that threshold that I need I'm like okay what do I do with this extra money because I don't want to spend it I want to make sure that what's done with it it needs to be you know done with it right it's put into the proper place so if that emergency reserve account is full and I don't need any more there then I skip over that and I figure out where it's supposed to go beyond that so it's, it's kind of like a flow through I need to make sure that I have the emergency reserves on hand and I know that this one can be a tough one for our DIY investors or just people in general just to have that emergency reserve account because I know interest rates are so low right now. So I know that that one is a hard pill to swallow because you're like, well, my money's not making any money there. And, and Jacqueline, you always preach, use your money to make more money. So I don't understand. Well, you know, you need that money on hand in case something happens, right? So we want to make sure that we don't skip over that emergency reserve account. But once that account is full, then I know, okay, my money can skip over that account and it can go to that income replacement account in case something happens. And I don't think I have 17 ways to make money. I have more like 10 drawers. So <laughs> I can catch up. But so it can go into that account to replace that income where it can go, of course, I do my investments the same way where I'm like, okay, every month I'm investing a certain amount pretty much no matter what, um, unless something were to drastically go wrong. But um, so that, that's kind of how my flow works. Um, you know, once we get past the emergency reserve fund, there's plenty of opportunities. So of course, my investing account will get its regular sum every month, every two weeks. And then beyond that, you know, I like to be able to transfer extra money into that account, get it invested, get it working for me. Absolutely. Something she said that I think was very important is once it's full, right? So like, that's a quantifiable thing. That's the importance of like setting goals, right? Because if I know, granted, there could be some outlier expenses that are categorized as emergency reserves, but by and large, I can, I can set a baseline where it's like, you know what? I think at this point, I'm probably going to be straight with just about, just about anything that could come my way, right? So you can think about like, what if all four of my tires went out? You can think there's like there's a million scenarios that you could think about, but what can kind of put your mind at ease of just not piling too much cash away is setting a baseline. Like, and again, it's gonna be different for everybody, but a lot of this is gonna be predicated upon like your own experience, like what has happened, what's typical to you. Again, things could change, things could be different, but like it's it's fair to come up with the baseline for yourself to say, you know what, I think it. If I have like 10 bands in here, there's nothing crazier beyond that that could happen, right? In a calendar year. Um, and then just saying, hey, maybe that's your baseline. And if you get new data that determines you need more or less than that, cool. Like you can you can adjust accordingly. But once you get to that certain point, then you're fine. Like once you get to that certain point of like, okay, in my income replacement account, I'm legit good for X amount of months. So I don't have to keep contributing here. Maybe at best, if I really want to be technical, I can, I can just make a 2% in a contribution once I've, you know, kind of gotten to my max threshold to account for inflation. Like if you really want to get technical, but beyond that, like there's certain accounts where you can just like, okay, boom, I'm good here. Maybe if I have to use it, I'll replenish it back up to that point. But like just back into that, it, it will also force you to start to think about everything that's supposed to be aligned to that account. Right. So that way it's not just like this 
theory of, oh, I'm just putting this money here because like, just in case these things happen, no, go through your expenses. Like what are the things that you have typically experienced in the past? Is it vehicle maintenance? Is it medical bill deductibles? Like what are those things? And then use that as a baseline to create your, your number. Cause once you get there, if you, if you fully fund it, then you can redirect that cash flow elsewhere. So I like how she said, once it's full. All right. So what else is on the docket for to-do list? Like when you're trying to jumpstart your finances for the new year? Well, when you go back to that list that you're naming of things that you may need to save for, one of those things could be taxes. I know we don't like to save for taxes. I know we don't like to pay taxes, but we've all got to do it. So um, it's important to review your taxes for 2020. Why is it important? Because you're going to have a tax bill soon. <clears throat> now, whether you owe or whether you are due a refund, that's dependent on your situation. However, it is important that you run back through 2020, see what you did have withheld and what you anticipate owing. Now, usually this is big for people who didn't have any withholdings for business owners who pay quarterly estimated payments because um, you would still have another payment due this month for the fourth quarter. Um, that payment mm -hmm. is due January 15th. So if you need to make a federal quarterly estimated payment for Q4 of 2020, it is important that you go ahead and do so. So um, like we said, it's important to review your taxes for 2020. One big thing um, that may or may not apply to you is your unemployment income that you receive for 2020. So if you did receive any unemployment income in 2020, that money is taxable to you. So it is important that you double check whether you were having withholdings on that or not. If you weren't having withholdings on that, you're going to most likely end up owing in April. Uh, it's going to depend on if you had withholdings before the unemployment kicked in or um, you know how long you were on unemployment. Or again, you know, mm -hmm. if you had the withholdings, then uh, you may be due a refund. But it is important that you go through, comb through those things, double check that. What do you think about that, George? Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. And I didn't even, I didn't think about the unemployment piece, which in this year, probably more prominent than um, other years naturally for folks. So I think that's a great tidbit and a great point. So uh, I don't even have anything to add to that. I think that's pretty spot on. One more thing um, that I think we should note is because we're jumpstarting our finances for 2021 and we want to know what we're going to have coming in and, and coming out roughly, you know, if you are due a refund for your taxes, what do you plan to do with that refund? I think it's important to go ahead and give some thought to that because we know how marketing is during tax time. People know mm -hmm. that you're getting a refund. They want you to come buy a new car. They want you to spend it here and there. So it's important that you have a game plan for that refund. So give that some thought. I know it's kind of early, but um, if you are an early filer because you anticipate a refund, then make sure that you have a plan for that refund. Yeah. And that's like the only reason to be an early fire filer because <laughs> I do not, I do not be rushing <laughs> to file no. uh, in taxes.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another segment of Fix Your Financials. Fix Your Finances Friday, where each and every Friday we give you at least one thing that you can do to improve your finances. And this Friday, that thing is to have the difficult, challenging conversation about money, right? So maybe it's a significant other. Maybe it's just someone you want uh, to hold you accountable. But if there's a tough conversation around money that you need to have, we encourage you to have that conversation, right? Now is a better time than any of the years just getting started. So what are those tough conversations? That tough conversation could also be calling a bill collector and say, hey, look, I know I've been ducking and dodging you, you know what I'm saying? But hey, look, I'm ready to address this thing. You know what I mean? I'm ready to finally figure out a payment plan, figure out how we're going to get this tackled, right? So whatever is tough for you, I want you to have that conversation. All right. So now let's get back into the final point of how you can jumpstart your finances for 2021. All right. What you got for us, Jacqueline? So we have done a financial audit. We've set our goals for 2021. We've made sure that we have enough savings. We have reviewed our taxes and we know what we're going to do with our refund check, or we know what we are going to owe come April 15th. The last piece that we're going to do is we are going to plan out our savings. So I know we set our goals, um, but we want to get a little bit more granular here. So it's, it's easy, especially for small business owners, to ignore the retirement savings piece. You've got people who say, well, I'm never going to retire. So we like to have the conversation of, well, I cannot speak for George at this moment, but I'm going to get him on board with my lingo, which is <laughs> calling retirement work optional. So I think that okay. resonates better with people <laughs> is yeah. when do you want work to be optional? So as George spoke on earlier, the difference between retirement and financial freedom for me, I like to have the conversation of just work being optional. So I've really extracted the word retirement from pretty much everything that I do. And I like to refer to it as work being optional. So at what point do you want to wake up and be able to say, eh, I don't think I'm going to work today. I think I'm going to hang out with my kids or, you know, take the dog to the park. At what point mm -hmm. do you want that to happen? And in order for that to happen, we need to have some savings. We need to have figured out how to create financial freedom. So with that, it's important that we are saving into our retirement accounts. So for most people, that retirement account is a 401k. That's for your average American, right? Um, if you are a small business owner, then you probably should have talked with your financial advisor at this point about other retirement accounts that you can set up through your business to ensure that you are saving for work to be optional. I think I should make a pitch to the IRS to call them work optional accounts instead of retirement accounts. Hey, so, you never know. Why not? <laughs> we'll work on that. So again, you're going to want to figure out what number makes sense for you. So if you are a small business owner, you may have the opportunity to invest more than the average $20,000 into your retirement account. 
So once you've figured out what that amount is that you can put up, you can work backwards to figure out how you're going to get that saved in your account. George, you're big on helping small business owners. What are your thoughts on helping them save for work to be optional? Work optional. That's the new term we're adopting, work optional. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. I think, um, you know, leaders eat last, right? I think like we put all of our efforts into the business and growth, 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 growth. And I think that's, you know, one of the things we talked about offline earlier this week, you know, our sweet spot in terms of serving folks is like, Hey, like there's no shortage. We, we, we get, it. you know, how to make money. Awesome. Like, and we're, we're, we're excited. That's a really big pillar in uh, building wealth. Right. However, how are you managing and maximizing those resources? And so, you know, I'm a really big advocate of that, right? And just making sure that these business, small business owners are being strategic about separating their social from their business tax ID, right? They're two separate things. And you need to prioritize yourself as the owner of the business just as much as you're prioritizing growing this thing, right? It's like, you got to think like the, like the big boys and big girls do. And it's like, you know, you know, when you think about, you know, these companies as a CEO, right, you have you know, these executive compensation packages and you have, you know, you're, they still have their 401k. It doesn't matter like what their role is for the company, like as an individual, their own payroll and they get X amount of dollars and it goes towards their retirement work optional account. And, you know, that's, that's that. Right. And so it's like, you know, understanding how to create that separation so that regardless of the success of your business, you have prioritized your ability to build wealth. It's not to say that you think your business is going to do well. I mean, it's not going to do well. It's not to say that you think, um, that you won't be working, you know, for much longer because you love what you do. It's not to say any of that. It's just to say that, hey, look, I'm prioritizing my financial independence as, as an owner of the business as well. And I'm setting it up in a way to where like, no matter what happens with the business, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm taken care of. So I'm definitely a big proponent of that. I like what you said about moving a little bit bigger than where you are. I think a lot of people who get launched into small businesses don't move with a lot of confidence. And I mm -hmm. think that that hinders your growth because you're not going to set up your accounts when you first get in because you're like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to work out. I'm not exactly sure if I should do this. Like, no, let's get in. Let's get your account set up being your work optional accounts that are tied to your business because you can have that. Um, even if you are not making money day one, you can still establish the accounts and you can figure out how to fund them later. It's so, it's so interesting to me as a practitioner to watch the different competence levels. So I've seen, especially this year, I've seen a lot of people get launched full-time into maybe their entrepreneurial side hustle or just a business that they wanted to do because you're quarantined at home. So it's been so interesting to me to see people who have full-blown confidence who decide, okay, I'm going to launch this thing and they do it what I would consider properly and they're fully engaged in that. And it's been amazing to watch them grow and blossom. And, you know, conversely, you have people who are not so sure about themselves, not so sure about the business. And so they kind of launch things kind of piecemeal and they're like, maybe this will work, maybe it won't. And it's just been um, kind of like a little science experiment <laughs> in a way, because I've just watched some people really take off and others, you know, 
not being so sure about themselves. So I would like to encourage you to launch something full-fledged, to go at it with all of your energy and to make it happen because I've seen that happen for people and I've seen it go go well and I've seen it go poorly, but I think the more confidence that you have that you can get it done, the better that's going to be for you in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's just like, it, it kind of sets the tone for your business, right? Like it means I'm taking this seriously versus it just being like a fly by night, you know, little side hustle, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with side hustles, right? I think that's where a lot of people start, but it's like, once you like decide, like, this is your thing, like go ahead and go all in. And I think there's also some misconceptions about complexity, right? Yes. There is some things that like are, you know, that you have to think about uh, that might be a little bit more than just like, you know, launching, you know, kind of haphazardly, but it's going to save you so much more headache down the road. Like I remember I had a client who they went from like $130,000 in revenue to like 950,000 in one calendar year. And while that was great, the problem was like that, that year, like when they, they got to me, like when they were already on pace to make the 950, and they were like paying people through all these different mediums and they had a bunch of different contractors. And it was a nightmare to try to get all that stuff cleaned up, you know, but it's like, if you start the right way from the get go, it's going to pay dividends. So this headache you think you're avoiding um, now by just like getting started, it's, it's really going to save you so much more time, money and effort on the back end to just do it right. No matter how big or small your business is at that point, right? Just start right and then I feel like it just gives you a heightened sense of responsibility. Like at first it might seem a little intimidating. Like I got five accounts and I got $7 coming in, right? Like it might feel a little intimidating, but it also will feel empowering because you like can, can see the path of how this is supposed to look. And it's like, all right, let me go out here and get it. Let me quit playing around. Cause like, you know, when it's just like, when you're kind of setting it up fly by night, it's like, okay, well, I got this account, you know, money's kind of coming in. I'm not really, you know, I don't have a forecast for my business. It is what it is. Like, you're not, you don't really have the visibility or context, even though if you're on track or off track, but when you hit, when you set it, up, set it up the right way, it's like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I need to do. Kind of goes back to that financial audit. Right. And then also like dispelling the myth of complexity. It's like, okay, it doesn't take that much to set yourself up on payroll. Right. It doesn't take that much to like put that infrastructure in place, but can be a game changer for you and your business. Right. And so just like going ahead and, and doing that stuff from the beginning, starting with the end in mind, because here's what I learned. What I learned is that once you get into the business, you're busy. Right. And it's even harder to double back to knock out some of that stuff once you're already rolling. So use this slower time, this transitionary period, this startup time to get that stuff squared away so that you're not like in the trenches, like really running in your business and now trying to figure out. How can I carve out time to set this up? Now, if you are already in the middle of it, I recommend that you take a moment, pause, and prioritize setting up your business the right way. I don't care whether you've been in business for a month, you've been in business for years. I've seen people be in business for years and realize that, you know what? I got to get this stuff set up the right way because it creates this like invisible weight or pressure, right? It's like, you know, you got some stuff you got to do. It's like, you're waiting for the, the shoe to drop. Like, am I going to get audited? Like, like, well, you're just waiting. And then that, that doesn't allow you to operate in your zone of genius. Like Jacqueline mentioned about freedom, right? Not freedom, but mentioned about like, um, what, is, what did you say? You said um, uh, confidence, right? 
part of that confidence is going to come from you knowing you got your stuff together. You know what I'm saying? When you know you can, you can sleep good at night, like my business is in order. I made the right decisions. I ain't worried about taxes. I've set all that stuff up. That's actually going to allow you to thrive even better in the, on the creative side of your business. Cause when you have that hidden pressure of like, Oh, my stuff ain't set up the right way or, you know, I'm not on payroll or, you know, I got, I have all this stuff to worry about at tax time. You can't thrive, right? It's only so long you can shuffle that around in your mind. It's almost like you have like an open, unnecessary open tabs in your mind. You know, your computer, you got like 17 open tabs and you slowed your computer down. It's the same thing with your brain. When you have these things that you have left unchecked, you might think you're ignoring it. You might think it's on the back burner, but it's really just another open tab slowing down your hard drive. So that's a very, very important thing that you guys want to address. Sheesh. Sheesh, if you don't take too much from this, please take that. You know, we're talking about getting things in order. So I know firsthand having those open tabs mm, clouds your mind. You can't think yeah. and, and you have to be clairvoyant in, in order to get to where you're trying to go. So we want to leave you with some action steps. So I don't want you guys to leave this podcast um, without some things to do. So we're big on homework these days, right? We're on homework, yep. Homework, but we want the homework to be simple. So I want to make sure that if you don't have your accounts, as we just talked about, you get them set up. Even if you are not funding them right now, make sure that those accounts are open and ready so we can close some of those mental tabs. Now, if your accounts are open and they are ready, I would like to encourage you to just make a random contribution. Um, make sure that, of course, it's going to fit within the contribution limits of your work optional accounts. But especially if you have a brokerage account, an individual brokerage account where you can invest, I encourage you to just make a transfer into that account. Even if it's as little as $20, $50, you know, something I'm, I'm sure you guys spend 20, $50 without thinking about it. So go ahead and make a transfer, whatever that amount is into that account. That'll jumpstart us for 2021. I love it. I love it. Well, Hey, y'all want you to let me know how you think she did. All right. It's our first special episode uh, as a co-host. So let us know, leave a review. Um, I really, really enjoyed the uh, different perspectives and complimentary perspectives uh, you know, when it comes to this financial planning stuff, we're still, you know, tallying up who is the, the cooler advisor, right? Um, but it'll be an ongoing tally. But now, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And until next episode. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?